welcome to the Number 8 Wire podcast. I'm Johanna Van Els, business coach and consultant. In this series, I'll be talking to people in business who have had professional and personal challenges, how they held it together through those tough times, and what advice they have to share that may help you. At the end of the podcast, I'll be highlighting the valuable takeaways, so be sure to listen out for those. And today I'm talking to Emma Metric. She's the co-owner yeah. of the Christchurch, I think, Christchurch's busiest restaurant, um, 27 Steps. Based oh no, on... I don't think it's the busiest. I, I knew you were going to say that. I think it pretty much is it, the busiest. It may have used to have been. <laughs> that's, that's the thing. You uh, At your peak, you had three sittings per night? Sometimes, kind of two and a half, sometimes three. Yep. Yeah. And how many staff were you running? Uh, Pre-lockdown we had 28 staff. 28 staff, that's yeah. a good size for a hospitality, for a restaurant. Yeah, no, it's a lot more than we ever anticipated. <laughs> Probably the best venison dish in town. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> How did you get started, Emma? What made you, what inspired you to, to start up a restaurant? And yeah, take us back to then. Okay, um, well I just started waitressing back in 1996 um, over in Akaroa. And that, I got that job from helping out... Uh, at the Astrolab um, at my parents, I think their 40th birthday, and then managed to work the summer. So it was kind of something I've just always done and worked part-time through university, went overseas, came back, went overseas again, always did it, never kind of thought about it as a forever thing. And then when I came back, I was trying to work out what to do with my life. There was this encouragement to, why don't you look at setting up a restaurant perhaps in Akaroa, because then you can still do six months in summer. And I was with Paul, who's from... Wales and we were like oh yeah we could do six months in New Zealand and then come back and do six months in the UK. So started looking at sites, um, found the old Sailor V site which was just little in our heads it wasn't scary like we could get a job and pay the rent on that if it didn't work out and lo and behold we decided to set up a restaurant. It's interesting that you mentioned that your dad suggested that you start up a restaurant what's behind that? Yeah I mean dad's always been in business so he's quite inspirational so that didn't seem like a weird he was sitting there with the spreadsheets um good on him kind of going yeah you could do this what about this what about this and Paul and I were like "Ah, I don't know what we're doing with our lives so I think the rent was $300 a week so we figured if all went tits up we could pay for that what year was this this was we started looking in 2009 so that opened 27th of December 2009 okay so it's just after the GFC so it would have been through a bit of a rough time the restaurant at that time yeah I mean, we didn't really know what we were doing. I mean, after we signed the lease on the restaurant, I found out I was pregnant. Um, so I couldn't really stress out about either thing um, because it was like, oh my God, I'm pregnant. Oh my God, I'm opening a restaurant. I didn't know which thing to stress out about more. And also I just had to work because we were bringing a baby into the yeah. world. So Just had to get on with it. It had to work. We just had to do it. You're not a trained chef, are you? No, so Paul's a chef. He's not formally trained, um, but I've always worked front of house. Okay, so that's yeah. what you bring to the business. Yeah, yeah, okay. a career waitress. <laughs> a career waitress. So how did that restaurant work out? How did that um, go for you? Yeah, we were really off? lucky. Like, it, it went really well. I mean, Paul and I worked every day in it, so it was very small. It was only about 28 seats. Um, and then we had to learn how to employ people, so Chip and his partner... Who are they? Uh, so they were our first ever employees. And so Chip's mum had to show me how to do payroll because I had no idea. Um, yeah. 
and so he washed the dishes. Kate worked front of house with me and we just worked every day that we were open. Yeah, and I got bigger and bigger and so we closed the restaurant two weeks before I was due and then had a baby. So our first summer we did really well, Akaroa. Particularly when we opened, you've got customers right there um, because yeah. it's a summer seaside town. People came in, hit the ground running and yeah, we're lucky. So is it pretty normal for those businesses to close over winter? Yeah, I mean, I think regardless, you're always running at a loss over there, over winter. So we shut some years and we stayed open some years to maintain staff. But um, very much you make, you have like two weeks of glory just after Christmas where you're like, wow, if it was like this all the time, it would be incredible. You probably have another four months of it going fairly well. Another couple of months of breaking even and the rest of the time you're throwing anything you've made out the window. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So at the end, so over a year is just a break even story? Yeah, I mean we, we were very lucky in that we always did turn a profit. It was never much, but it was enough to keep going and yeah. do it all again. Yeah. What was the progression to 27 Steps after the restaurant in Akaroa? Um, I think we always, I mean Akaroa is a beautiful place, but I think it wasn't our place to be. Like it was incredible to start a business and, and have a child, um, but as Finn was getting close to school age, it was like, okay, are we going to commit to this town? forever or are we wanting to come to Christchurch and I never actually wanted to live in Christchurch but post earthquakes I was very nostalgic about it all falling down and wanted to come back and so we were looking for a site probably about three years. Three years looking for the right site? Yeah we're just kind of keeping our not not intensely looking but just kind of looking and keeping an eye out and yeah, we're kind of looking at Sydenham and we actually looked at the, what became Hello Sunday that site. Mm -hmm. um, and then we decided really wanted to be in the central city. Um, yeah, and then found that site, battled, negotiated, got the lease, battled, negotiated for about two years with the council. For what? Just, um, oh, there was lots of different things that went wrong. So I'd been called a gallery in the renovations, so then we had to go through a change of use but prove that it wasn't actually a change because it was upstairs the f we had to get the fire rating up which was something we never knew anything about because I think it was licensed to hold 30 people so then we had to redo all the fire and make sure the exits So this didn't come up in the due diligence at all? Uh, so what made you miss that? Because what would you suggest people look for if they're going to be doing something like this? Oh lots of things. I mean I guess we were very idealistic about a lot of things like I fell in love with the space, I loved New Regent Street. I guess we weren't very technical people. I mean we're very much heart people so brushed over a lot of the stuff that we probably should have looked at. And then you know we had that whole battle fire versus heritage because obviously it's a heritage building. Fire. What do you mean fire versus heritage? So like heritage would be like no you can't change the door and then um, it has to open a certain way and fire was like no you have to rehang the door and open it externally so it opens outwards so people can get out easy in a fire and heritage is like no the fire door the, fire, the door needs to stay the way it is. So you're piggy in the middle of the air. Yeah. yeah. How do you win that one? Uh, fire wins eventually we've learnt. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. a good thing to know. Yeah. <laughs> Fire will win. But safety first, Safety right? first, yeah. Okay, Pressing so Heritage just like to put up the battle and make you really work for it. Uh, yeah, and I mean, I love Heritage spaces, so I get the value. Um, but I mean, I guess you just learn things, like everything is screwed, so it's reversible instead of nailed. So it just means your fit out takes a lot longer and is more expensive, because there's no nail guns going into anything, it's all screwed, oh, so another, it can be reversible. Yeah. You've sold the restaurant in Akara or you run so, it as well? Originally we were hoping to do both, um, but kind of as it progressed on we just realised it wouldn't be feasible, so I'm trying to think, we opened in August 2015, but I think we must have had the lease for about two years. That sounds expensive, because you're not Yeah, we had out. a year free rent for 
fit out mm-hmm. um, and then so we were paying rent for a long time before we opened so that's when it kind of got to the point we realised we had to sell the little bistro and it was very much on the knife edge because we got to the point where if it hadn't sold we neither had enough money to do the winter in Akaroa or finish 27 steps yeah it's often that so way so we're very lucky that it sold I mean I just remember driving over the hill like the phone on bluetooth of the negotiations going on and my heart was just pounding <laughs> it was just like yeah. Is this going to happen? Is it going to work? But yeah. it did. So. It sold, good. Yeah. How did it feel? How many years had you been there? Probably five and a half. It was hard because the person we sold it to wasn't my person and he definitely proved that after we'd sold it. And it was weird. The hardest thing for me was actually handing over the Facebook page, which sounds ridiculous, but that had very much been my communication because I was you know, living in a town where I didn't know that many people. I had a young baby. I spent a lot of time on my own. And so just doing... The Facebook page meant so much to me. What I'm hearing in that is, apart from the emotional piece in it, mm. is that you had a clear social media strategy as well with your restaurant, or you adopted it really early on. I don't know if it was a clear strategy. I mean, I guess we've always been ourselves, in a sense. So we very much set up the little bistro and our story. We were like a young couple. We were having a baby. We were doing this restaurant. You know, it was like, I guess, this kind of dreamy the appearance of a dreamy kind of situation you know we'd moved to a beautiful town and the business was going well we had our name the baby jar on the front of the restaurant you know like (laughs) yeah with a picture of the scan it was like we were very much selling the restaurant on our story yeah um and I guess we made a clear decision not to do that with 27 we wanted it more of a business but then it is very much our story still I think people buy stories well that's it and it's funny post this you know COVID situation, we're very much putting ourselves back in the story again because okay. I mean it has always been us. So you and Paul, so you're 27 steps. Yeah. Uh, sorry, 2015. Yeah, August 2015. And you opened doors. Open doors. How did that feel? Um, it was amazing. It was also chaos because we'd run, you know, you have to run the electricity and everything for at least three days with everything going to make sure it works. So at 4:30 we lost power to half of the building just before we opened, um, and then I remember that. Yeah, Orion. Orion, yeah. yeah, he came down. He's like, you're never going to run a restaurant in this building. And I remember just suddenly going, okay, well, that would have been good to know before I maxed out everything. Hold on, you've got bookings, right? Yeah, we had bookings, yeah. You've got bookings, you've got kitchen, you've got food going, yeah. and the whole electricity goes yeah. off. Orion turns up, they tell you, you're never going to be able to run a, yeah. a restaurant from here, and you do a complete freak out. And just think I can go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to bury myself in bed here. Yeah, um, I mean, very fortunate we had a a lovely restaurant manager, Kelly, which was, you know, bizarre hiring people without having a training ground or to show them anything. And she just took over and stepped up and held my hand as I kind of walked wide-eyed around the restaurant. And then we had, like, a group of 18 show up that weren't booked in. So, hold on, I need to go back. How did you get the power back on? Um, Sparkies came. uh, A friend may have opened the box that they shouldn't have and had a... We play, um, the, uh, yeah, the original Sparky who did it, he was racing back from Wollaston, the Orion guy with you, and yeah, somehow it came back on. Wow. And yeah, we had our first night trading with a walk-in of 18. 
<laughs> the walking of 18 that's just nuts it was quite nuts because we were trying to limit the numbers you know we'd rather we've always been like in the mind we'll do it right properly and we'll get it going and then we'll kind of slowly build up what for you has been the difference that you want to offer like you know there's a lot of restaurants out there mm. what makes 27 steps special the yeah. usp around um, 27 steps i don't even know what usp means oh okay yeah yeah sorry um <coughs> sorry. the unique selling point okay okay um, I guess when I we were looking at what was happening in Christchurch. So yeah, no, hold on. What was happening in Christchurch at the time? Yeah, I mean there'd been earthquakes, so yeah. the whole city was coming back up. It was very bitsy, um, and it felt like there were a lot of themed things going on. I don't know, there'd be like a, Mexican, a or... Mexican restaurant, or a you know a restaurant offering this or that, and we just really wanted to do a classic restaurant. You know, the walls were white, the heritage stuff was picked out in the building, but there was nothing to kind of suggest that it was anything but a space for food and drink and people. And also because Paul and I have worked in so many different places over the years, I guess you become a magpie and you pick the bits you like from each mm -hmm. place. And, you know, mm -hmm. Paul and I met working at Ardbea over in Ireland and it, that was all very local produce and, you know, flying by the seat of your pants and staff having fun, and but just consistently good food coming out fast. Mm-hmm. And so just kind of playing around with what we'd done and what we could see was happening and, and ultimately where we like to eat as well. Your focus is local produce, local wines? Yeah, I mean it's always a balance. Um, so definitely local wines. I mean obviously coming up under Chris Green and Annie, Annie's Wine Bar. So it's very hard actually doing the wine list now because I'm so loyal to people and I don't want to change that but then you find new things so the wine list just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Okay. <laughs> so you want to keep the relationships you have but also... Stay free. What's your expectations around your team? Um, everybody should feel welcome. There should be no pomps. There's no, you know, if someone wants a well done steak, yeah, sure, it might not be the best way to cook a steak, but that's how a person wants a steak. And so that, that has to be okay. Um, and finding things that people like themselves. Um, you know, like a Sauvignon Blanc might not be the best thing with a steak, but if that's the best thing for that person, then that's okay. It's got to be very honest and genuine mm -hmm. in the service. Mm -hmm. And yeah. you know, like, I mean, obviously you've still got to sell because it's a business, but it's selling from knowledge, not from cheap tricks. Yeah, I mean, I want it to be an honest offering, always. You know, we welcome you with complimentary bread. Our meals include sides. It's, you know, I feel like it, I mean, I, I honestly acknowledge that dining out is expensive, but I feel like it's an honest offering you know no one mm -hmm. everyone's paid the living wage we use small suppliers when we can where we can you know I think well actually I've learned about numbers post-covid we make about six percent margin so it's not huge it's just a genuine offering mm. is what I want um, there's a couple of things there that you said first of all anyone who thinks that they should be drinking Sauvignon Blanc with a steak please please <laughs> shift that mindset <laughs> But you want your customer to leave happy, yeah. you know, that's the thing, like, it may not, you know, you can, you can always oh, absolutely. suggest things and, that's you know, very, we'll always That's give... a personal note, that's yeah. not Emma's note, that's a very personal one. I mean, I wouldn't do it either, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's got to, people have to leave happy. It's not cheap to eat out. Mm. When I'm dining at your restaurant, I know that when I'm ordering that, I'm going to get a plate of food. Mm. I find it very, very generous in its offering and also very um, authentic. Yeah, well that's yeah. good, because I guess that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and that's a memorable experience. You know, like I'm still talking about your venison dish. <laughs> <laughs> that's the merchant of venison. He's great. We met him in Akaroa as a customer. 
we had our lockdown um, mm. I think the date was the 25th of March but when did you start noticing that there was a shift I'd say the beginning of March yeah initially I was quite naive through it we were still really busy through February and yep. probably the first week of March and then it dramatically started plummeting who, who was missing like customers why? <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah thank you <laughs> sorry so I, I mean to differentiate between yeah. locals and visitors what yeah I mean I guess initially we lost the Chinese tourists I mean we've always had a very good local following but I guess tourist ha- tourism has been our cream and so that was definitely winding down and I was watching what was happening overseas as well and friends restaurants were closing and watching their social media and just it felt I guess two weeks before we were shut down it felt weird we were losing customers. How many employees have you got at this stage? 26 plus Paul right. and I but yeah it just it felt it just felt really uncertain and I guess I felt like I couldn't guarantee the safety of people coming into my space and I didn't want to be responsible for anything because it was just so unknown at that point you know you know mm-hmm. you always I mean to run a food business you have strict hygiene standards anyway you know mm-hmm. but I wanted my staff to be secure as well so I couldn't shut without having the subsidy yeah okay yeah okay so you're talking financially secure yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean because we couldn't afford to pay them yeah, well, shut, you know, yeah where's the money coming from because exactly. interestingly I just just want to remind people who are listening we're talking about a six percent margin on a good day (laughs) that's what hospitality is so okay so lockdown hits lockdown hits how do you feel you know we get warned on the monday i think or the sunday that it's all going to be happening wednesday night so you've got your last when do you serve your last meal so we shut that monday because then it hit level three so restaurants had to close right okay um so that i think it was one o'clock on monday it was announced and we were in the restaurant kind of going and I was like, in my head, I was like, phew, we have to do it, good. Um, we shut the doors, rang the bookings, um, gave all the staff food parcels, because obviously we had all the food in to yeah. start trading. Mm-hmm. Wine keeps? It doesn't keep, though, often, if you've got eight weeks of not working. Like, I may have drunk it. Oh! No, <laughs> not all of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we heard that day the subsidy had come through, so everyone was good, closed the doors, came home. What's going through your mind? I guess the first couple of days, making sure everyone's okay. After that... I just wanted to hide. Yeah, it was just intense. I guess after, like, it would have been 10 years of running businesses, it just felt like, oh, here we go again. Another challenge to kind of do. Have I got anything left in me? When it hit, I haven't had a holiday for two years, and this was going to be my winter to take a break and regroup and get inspired again because I was pretty exhausted. Mm -hmm. Um, You're not with Paul at this stage? No, so we haven't been together for some years. (laughs) Okay, so in effect, you're kind of going through it alone. Yeah, kind of. I mean, I guess where Paul and I come from is we we have the child together. I guess we're not hugely financially driven. Um, You make money for your family, so Finn, our child, is our family. And so we work together. You know, we have each other's back. We're providing for our child. Yeah, it's really commendable that you can continue to hold a business together and a family together and and have had a breakup as well. So it has its moments, obviously. Yeah, of course, (laughs) naturally. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I guess we're driven by the same thing, you know, to provide for our family and just be proud of what we're doing. Mm -hmm. So So. you're hiding out at home. Yeah, so I wanted to, in in my head, for the first two weeks, I was like, okay, we have enough money to pay out all the staff's holiday pay and our suppliers and our tax and then walk away with nothing. And so that is actually what I wanted to do for about the first two to three weeks. Then I realised, oh, what else would I do? I do love it. Um, 
we're tied into a lease, so I can't walk away. Okay, so uh, hold on, just, um, we step back, are you paying your lease at this stage while you're not Yeah, so our landlord gave us 50% off for three months, so we're about to renegotiate that next week. Yeah, so Paul, Finn and I were in a two-house, three-person bubble, um, so we could talk about the business, and then when things got too much, we could have our own space, so I guess we were quite fortunate in that, mm-hmm. and could share the homeschooling, which was a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> Where did you go in your conversations? Was Paul like, no, let's keep going, Emma, or did he drift in and out of it like you did? I guess it refocused us. We were fighting for our business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you fight for something, you don't fight for something you don't love. And yeah. then you realise how much you love it. Yeah. And, you know, I guess in that sense it was a good kind of wake-up call and we started reappreciating what we'd done and what we've been doing and hopefully what we'll keep doing. Like, we have grafted over the years. Like, Paul and I have just worked every single day in the bistro you know, mm-hmm. Finn used to be breastfed on the back step and then would go back out with the nanny who would walk him to sleep, you know. And if I was too busy, he'd be passed around the restaurant. So, I mean, we've worked hard for where we've been. Yeah. I mean, anyone works hard for what they're doing. Um, yeah, but I guess we we'd have, hadn't had to work so hard in the last couple of years. That's okay. I mean, that's yeah. what you kind of hope for, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we still worked hard, but not as hard as we had. So... Yeah, you weren't breastfeeding on the back step in no, the last couple of years. Yeah, and we were having days off and things like that. Wow. You know, yeah. so we need to regroup and we both need to get back into the restaurant every day. Um, we need to tighten our belts. We need to not forget about what we've always done as well. Um, and we, I, yeah, we just have to keep doing it. Okay, so going but, back to the essence of your vision and the essence of your yeah. purpose. Yeah, and then I guess also look, starting to look at the financial side because we've been lucky in that our businesses have always done well. And so, you know, I remember having to talk to a bunch of hospitality students about how I ran my restaurant. And I genuinely said vibes. I look at my bank account, can I afford to do that? Yes. Can I? No. You know, I didn't, well, I still don't know my break-even point. I don't think I don't want to I know I know but I think when you know it you tend to stop when you hit the break-even point do you I've watched people do it okay and so I don't want to know it because I'll always try get more if I don't know it because I don't know where it is so I've just got to keep aiming for my unknown number Okay, Does that so make sense? I, yeah, Sorry. I like, I, I'm struggling to understand that, but yeah. I, I, okay, let's get some clarity around that. Okay. Um, so you're not aiming for a number. Are you no. aiming for plates? Um, Seats, people. So I guess I'm aiming, yeah, I look at people through. Yeah. I look okay. at overall turnover for the week. Yeah. I look at spend per head. Yeah. Um, and I guess I look at satisfaction from customers. Okay. And staff. So they're your targets. Yeah. So you go, okay, so that wasn't a big enough spend per head. What can I do to up that? Um, yeah. Yeah. Or And I also look at staffing levels and food costs. Okay. So, I mean, I look at things and I'm doing what I've done for the past 26 years, maybe? Yeah. 23 years. A long time. Um, so I'm not doing anything I don't know. So you're looking at the levels of the detail in business that are important to you. Yeah, like I know where things should sit. Yeah. No, I, th- I think you're perfectly right. You don't need to be looking at that gold number. Yeah. You've broken it down and you've given that number actual meaning in different places. Yeah, okay. I know, I find numbers boring. But you kind not of don't. Boring. Not boring, but I mean... Because they're markers for you. They're markers, but I, you know, I could spend 
five hours each week staring at spreadsheets and looking at percentages and yeah I just I'd rather not it's not very creative <laughs> is it no <laughs> I mean to do my wages I mean I, I need something shitty on Netflix and maybe a glass of wine yeah. to make myself stay at the computer and the fact that you know these guys need the money so you better get it well, done yeah. I mean I always do the wages on time <laughs> <laughs> and pay my bills on yeah so you've got you've basically set up your own KPIs that have meaning for you yeah <laughs> So you look. Sorry, I'm a bit distracted. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're looking sorry. at those. Oh, because I was. I just wanted to tell you off, but now I really. I understand. I yeah. understand what you. Okay. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. I mean, a lot of people have said, better. "Why don't you get an admin person?" Because you hate it. And I'm like, if if I'm doing it myself, I know exactly where it's at. Like, if someone was telling Thank me you. to do it, telling me what they'd done, I would drift off and start trying to make them laugh, so I don't have to listen to that conversation. Yeah. But if I do it, I know where it's at. And I would say that yeah. was one of your markers of success is that you do take ownership, mm. responsibility and accountability about knowing what mm. your KPIs are and how you're performing against them Yeah. and forcing yourself I to do I still don't know that. what a KPI is. Oh, okay. <laughs> these are the key things that work in the business. Yeah. This is what tells, these are the key markers in my business that tell me we're doing mm. a good job or we're drifting off. Okay. Or if I can shift these things, yeah. these performance indicators... If I can shift them, then I know that we're doing better. Okay. Yeah. Markers. Yeah. Okay. Back. So first day in, what day was? Do you well, we the we did takeaways on level three. Yeah. Um. So you know, all the we pivoted with our new yeah. normal and all those catchphrases. Yeah. How was that going um, back into the kitchen? It was incredible. So we didn't want to open for takeaways every night to have a full kitchen and full staff. Yep. Everybody out because obviously it was still level three. Um, so we decided we'd just do a home delivery service, you know, once a week. So we'd only bring as much food as we needed to. There was no wastage. We could run two separate teams in the kitchen to keep bubbles, and then we'd deliver them out. Um, and so Paul and I were literally just going to do it ourselves, and then we were just completely overwhelmed. Um, and so I think we did 131 deliveries, and we were thinking that maybe if it did really well, we'd do 50. Oh wow, um, well done Christ Yeah, Church, so we just, you. like yeah. honestly, the amount of times we cried, you know, the messages that were coming, but it was very humbling and yeah, just kind of, it was that little pick-me-up, like, I mean obviously compliments and positive reviews and things affect you and you're like, yeah, yeah. yeah. but I guess after this, I mean, it, it was emotional. Yeah. <laughs> it was very humbling and... How long did you do that for? So just the two weeks. Mm -hmm. Um and then we opened the restaurant, obviously, on level two. Mm -hmm. And so we made the decision to cut down to five nights a week. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, in, in lockdown, I learnt more about my numbers and spreadsheets and um, mm -hmm. looking at, I guess, more of your profit and loss and mm -hmm. stuff. So, we, yeah, we made the hard decision to cut down to five nights a week. So, that, I mean, we'd started five nights a week and we feel like we're coming back to the beginning again. We're getting it right on those five nights a week and then we'll slowly mm -hmm. build back up again and mm -hmm. so you're running five nights a week now yeah yeah have, does that mean you've had to let go of people yeah we have which I think was probably the hardest thing I've done it's hard to say goodbye to a team member and you've still got your job yeah um I guess and they've been loyal to you and yeah how was it for you Emma I just cried I was just I mean because Paul and I had never we were never we never set up a restaurant to make money and run a business, you know. It was to us it was always about the people, probably mm -hmm. more than it was about the food and wine. Like obviously the food and wine is important but but it's the people you work with, 
you know, we only buy things off people we like. The product's got to be good as well. I guess we're very people focused. And still, like, when I'm on the floor making someone's night, I, th I mean, I genuinely love it. And so having to stand up and say that we were restructuring was awful. And I feel really bad talking about it, like, I am telling people they didn't have jobs. So they have the right to be more upset about this than I do. So um, how do you do, how do you have that conversation? We went through the restructure process, which was a further three weeks of one-on-one -on -one meetings. And, you know, it's, it's a horrible process because, you know, one of our chefs was just like, can you just tell me? And it's like, we legally can't. We have to mm -hmm. go Follow through this process. process and yeah. yeah, it felt like a bullshit process, but you, you have to do it. You can still apply empathy and heart to that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of tears and, I mean, everyone understood. We were very transparent in the process. We are like, okay, this is what we were doing. This is how much money we've lost over lockdown. How do you choose who stays and who goes? How, um, did, how did you do that? So, I mean, we had a look and we looked at which roles we really needed in the business. And so this one was really hard because it was about roles and money. Mm -hmm. And we've always run our business on heart. Yeah. You know, we've never gone, oh, no, we can't afford a pay rise. It's like, no, you've been working really hard. You're going to get a pay rise. We're going to make that work. Basically, we've got a very loyal staff, and so everyone who's left has pretty much been with us for over two years. Um, and so a lot of it was just your length of service because that took our decision away, us making the decision. Mm -hmm. You know, we knew we couldn't keep two senior chefs, mm -hmm. um, but I really wanted to keep both. You know, it was mm -hmm. just, okay, but how do we decide between two brilliant chefs? And so it came down to length of service, really. That, that takes the emotion out of it for you and kind of puts some reasoning in there. Yeah. If you were going to give some advice to someone going through that now, today... Oh, I don't know. I still don't know if we've made the right decision. Like, we have pulled everything in, and I know we had to. But then also, things come and things go. Like, you've got to have faith that it's going to pick up again. I still question whether we've gone too hard. Um, I don't... Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't, I mm -hmm. don't know if I have any advice around it. Mm -hmm. I feel for anyone who's in this situation yeah yeah I'm on just, both sides of the table yeah yeah so what's your vision for the future um no I just you know I want to get back to seven nights a week um I mean it's funny with the five nights a week because we've got these two days now and so you know we're hoping to start doing some things on a Sunday afternoon where we can have a bit of fun it's, I guess the funny thing about the restaurant is it started dictating to us what we could do because it was working and you had that staff load where you had to you know, make sure you had enough money to pay all, all the wages and there was less room for playing around with fun because mm -hmm. what you were doing was working. Mm -hmm. what, you know, it was all working. So mm -hmm. why would you take away a night that you know is going to make you X amount of money to do something that might not pull any money in? And so, and I guess to to make decisions based on money, which I know you have to, but I don't always want it to be the sole driving force. So... You know, we're hoping on the Sunday we'll be able to do some fun lunches with wineries or do a bit of, you know, we hope, you know, just some fundraising and back to the community, whether we do, you know, we've done city mission dinners in the past and particularly at this point, you know, we don't have any money ourselves, but we have a space that we can hopefully create something a bit more community minded because that's always been a big part of our ethos. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Those sound like really good priorities. Hopefully. And resetting. <laughs> yeah, as part of your, why am I in this? Yeah. Just resetting back to that. Yeah. Have you found um, the broader community being in support of what you're doing? So I'm talking about other people in hospitality. Um, yeah, I mean, in lockdown, I was so lucky to have an amazing neighbour called Katie Duncan, who is White Tie Catering in Arbo Cafe. 
and so we've known each other but we've been too busy um really to catch up and so we um may have spent some time on our respective driveways yeah just talking and talking and going through everything and I mean I'm very privileged to have a lucky a lovely crew of hospital mums you have so many hats you you know you're looking after your staff your Mm -hmm. suppliers the Mm -hmm. background the customers it can be a lot to me it seems like it's going to be a while before we get back to our normal until well I don't know what normal is going to look like in the future it's going to be something possibly really different Mm. to what we expected yeah uh, especially since we can't lean on the tourist trade yeah I never realized how much I mean I knew tourists were a big part of our business but I just kind of forgot that they were if you know what I mean yeah you took it for granted yeah that they were always going to be there yeah I mean we're always a Christchurch business and local suppliers in Christchurch focused but we are on a pretty tourist street as well Mm -hmm. you know we have an amazing Christchurch following which I guess we were quite lucky because we're starting in Akaroa. And so, you know, we have customers that have been with us for 10 years. What I'm hearing from you is that you always did focus on your bread and butter. Mm. And now there's even more focus on your bread and butter and your purpose and what you're delivering to your community. Mm. It's not just great food. Mm. It's a movement. We're here yeah. and we love Christchurch and we are really committed to our team and our customers. Mm. I think that's really admirable because it is really easy to hide. Mm. I still but, want to sometimes. Yeah, of course <laughs> I'm do. not going to. I'm not going to. The support from the government, how's that been? I mean, the wage subsidy has been a godsend. And then we have got the business loan as well. I've got that put in an account that hopefully I won't touch. But So, yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of talk that there hasn't been targeted hospitality help. I know we are in a privileged position because we paid off all our set-up debt last year. And I guess I still run the business like we're in Akaroa, so I hoard over summer and bleed out over winter. And obviously we lost a few of the good months but you know we're not at zero yet and our bills are current so that's positive that is very positive i I just want to focus on what you said about hoarding over summer and um, Mm. bleeding over winter that you you can easily be tricked in thinking it's going to be like that all year round yeah and be seduced by Mm. the large bank account and get your new car or yeah i've seen people do it in the building industry yeah yeah and then boom it flattens out for a little bit and they're gone you know they've only been around such a short time I guess I'm very cautious with the business income and make sure it's there you know I I just I don't take it for granted but yeah I mean it's interesting because we you know we we had literally just had our best summer ever and then to be you know within a couple of months fighting for survival I guess that's quite a hard thing to go okay well that all that happened not from our fault so should there be some compensation for that but then it's happened to everybody and I'm not expecting compensation by any means. It's just, it's happened. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, and I think we should, you know, we'll be able to ride through this winter. And hopefully it just keeps, we keep riding. I want to encourage everyone uh, who's listening to the podcast to go to 27 Steps <laughs> on New Regent Street. I'm going to post the phone numbers, links, etc. I might even drag and drop a, a menu into the number eight wire Facebook page. Okay, yeah. So that you can... <laughs> All head out there. I suggest uh, red wine with your steak. I think I've said that already. (laughs) Uh, Thanks, Emma. Thank you. Hopefully it wasn't all waffle. Uh, No, it was all good waffle. Yeah, all the best. All right, cheers. There are a couple of really good takeaways. The first one I'm going to talk about, touch on, is money, finances. Uh, Treat your numbers like information. It's actually your business data. Emma has a number of ways of looking at her finances or her data. There's one, the bigger picture, she looks at the take per week, she probably does a take per night as well. 
Um, and then she has more detailed angles like, for example, spend per customer. So she knows what good looks like at all of those levels. Then she balances her cost against those. And her costs are measured in percentages, like her wages, her lease, her produce, are percentage costs against the total income. If she goes outside those percentage boundaries, then she knows something needs to be adjusted. For example, if the produce costs are too high in percentage against the income, then she may look at different suppliers or changing her menu. So... For you, work out what your cost boundaries are and then stay inside them. Your finances and your numbers are information. Use them to guide your direction. The other takeaway um, and of absolute equal importance are your P, your C and your D. Your P is your personal passion. This is what pushes you through tough times. Then your C is your clarity. Be clear about what makes you different to everyone else in the market and clear about who your customers are. And then delivery. D is for delivery. Give it your best effort consistently and your best effort will consistently improve. Being mediocre at any of these gives you mediocre results. Passion, clarity and delivery. Please support Emma and Paul and the team at the restaurant 27 Steps on New Regent Street, Christchurch. Details are on the Number 8 Wire Facebook page. And thanks again for listening. Cheers. Thanks for joining us this week at Number 8 Wire. I am Johanna Van Os, business coach and consultant. Please subscribe. It's free. That way you'll never miss an episode and together we'll be able to help more people. can also contact me through the Facebook page Number 8 Wire Podcasts. See ya.